Jesper, is, is, is it on? Is this thing on? Don't look at me like that, you amphibious wank. I don't know, do I? So it is. And what, I just, I just talk into it. Okay. Hello. My name is Piano Teeth, and I'm currently one of the voices inside your head. Head, head. Thanks for having me. As I'll be spending some time in your mind, let me tell you a bit about myself. I have no skin. At all. I can't be up there with you anymore. And so I live down here, in the dark, with Jasper the Toad. Say hello, Jasper. Hmm. He's too shy for some reason. Normally he's riveting away. Can't shut him up. Interesting. Due to my lack of skin, I spend a lot of time in the bath, soaking in various emollients and potions that soothe my skinless sinews and tissues. It gets quite boring, and there's only so much myself and Jasper can do to entertain me. And so, to pass the time, I drink. Bleach. A lot of bleach. Have you tried it? You probably shouldn't. It's quite intense. Ghastly at first, but then after a bottle or two, it hits a sweet spot. It really is something. My brain cracks. Everything melts away, and I fall through a kaleidoscope of chattering voices that plunge me into a story. Different every time. And when my mind has put itself back together again, I come up, gasping for air. After telling Jasper a few of these fantastical tales, I... He... We had the idea of recording them, to share with you. And so that's how I find myself here, in your head. Hello. 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 Right, I think that's enough background. I'm sure we'll find out more about each other on the way. Let's get on with it, shall we? This story is called The Orangutanga. No, you can't enter the competition. You're an orangutan, said the administrator, eyeing the hairy applicant and young woman that stood before his desk. Gus, the orangutan in question, ooked earnestly in response and stepped backwards, striking a pose to show off his black tuxedo and trouser combo, white shirt with a bow tie beneath a red furry chin. He extended a leg and flexed his foot, drawing attention to the regulation black and white shoes polished till they shone. Yes, very smart, said the administrator. But it clearly says on the form, no orangutans. He tapped the paper. Look, right here. Gus ooked and looked up, dejectedly at his dance partner, Maria Arvetia. Well, I'm not an orangutan, she said. The administrator leaned over the desk and inspected the woman above his spectacles, taking in her red dance shoes and flaming flamenco dress hugging her large frame. On top of her dark curly hair sat a headpiece, adorned with some small flickering fairy lights, woven around a little plastic toy T-Rex, which looked at him menacingly. Sighing, he sat back in his chair and removed his glasses, rubbing the bridge of his nose. <sighs> no. No, you're not. You're quite clearly a woman, which, according to the National Ballroom Competition's rules and regulations, validates your entry into the tournament. As you can see, there are a large number of women here, ready to compete. Your being a woman, and therefore not an orangutan, as you pointed out, is not the issue. 
The issue is that your dancing partner is an orangutan. And, as clearly stated in the rules and regulations that form the framework of this prestigious competition, orangutans may not, under any circumstances, compete. Now, please leave. You're holding up the line. Maria huffed with frustration and quickly poured the administrator's pot of pens on his desk before storming out of the hall, passing the long line of hopeful couples. Gus followed her, middle fingers raised, ooking at the injustice of it all. I just can't believe the injustice of it all, said Maria, as they stood sipping pints of whiskey floaters in their favourite pub, the Dirty Freckle. It was dark and cosy inside, with no outside light. Rather than bother with tables and chairs, people simply stood or sat on the floor, which was covered in sawdust to soak up any fluids. A fire crackled in the corner, and the rolling bass lines and breakbeats of some hardcore jungle was played to create a relaxed and welcoming atmosphere. Gus and Maria would often come here for a pint of whiskey and a pinger after a day's practice. Gus stared into his pint. He pulled out a creased photograph from his pocket and looked at the two old orangutans who smiled back at him, his mum and dad, taken on the day he'd left for the city, a month before they died. They'd been so supportive, giving him the tuxedo and shoes he was wearing now as a parting gift. How excited they'd been for him. How happy. He felt so stupid. Of course an orangutan wouldn't be allowed into the national ballroom competition. What was he thinking? Ook. Don't cry, said Maria, sensing his mood. But Gus wasn't to be consoled. Tears rolled down his furry cheeks and his lips quivered. Ook, ook. Look at me, Gus, said Maria, grabbing his shoulders and staring straight into his dilating pupils. Look at me. You are a great ballroom dancer. Your footwork is incredible and your posture is sublime. You could outfoxtrot anyone in that competition. Gus smiled. Ookie, ookookookook. Thank you, Gus. That means a lot. But, but seriously, and this isn't seriously, I mean it, you are one of the most fantastic ballroom dancers that I have ever seen. It's an honour, an honour to call you my dance partner and my friend. Ook, ook. Oh, I love you too, mate. Barman, two more pints of whiskey, please. Ook, 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 ook. Yeah, why not? It's Tuesday afternoon, isn't it? Couple of pingers as well, thank you very much. After a couple of hours and pints, the dirty freckle began to fill up for the evening. Gus found himself in the toilet, deep in conversation with a couple of rabbis and a duck about space and time. Maria was alone, staring at her hands. What did they mean? What did they... What did they mean? She stuck with it. An hour later, and the dirty freckle was filled with the idle chatter of a calm Tuesday night, underscored by some pounding dark techno. After spending quite an intense amount of time with her hands, to no avail other than realising the intricate connectivity of everything, Maria had found a friendly bucket of sand, which she was enjoying putting her feet in. Tell me, child, what is on your mind? asked the sand, as it sucked on her toes. Oh, it's nothing, Maria replied. Oh, your toes are telling me otherwise. Come, spill the beans. And so Maria told the sand, all about the national ballroom competition and Gus and how unfair it all was, just because he was an orangutan. The sand listened while it suckled her feet. Then, after a pause, said, It is simple. You must hide the orangutan. Hide the orangutan? Yes, hide the orangutan. 
hide the orangutan. Yes, hide the orangutan. Hide the orangutan. Yes, hide the orangutan. Hide the orangutan. Yes, hide the orangutan. Then the idea came, fully formed as clear as day. I've got it. I should hide the orangutan. Yes, hide the orangutan. I have to hide the orangutan. Yes, hide the orangutan. Just hide the orangutan. Yes, hide the orangutan. I need to hide the orangutan. Yes, hide the orangutan. I'm going to hide the orangutan. Yes, hide the orangutan. I'm going to hide the orangutan. Yes, hide the orangutan. Thank you. You're good, Sand. Do not have worry. Thank you for letting me suck your toes. They kissed goodbye, and Maria began searching for her friend, buzzing with excitement. Where was he? She searched through the bar, squeezing past the tightly packed bodies. She found him, laying in a cuddle puddle with the rabbis and being serenaded by the duck on his mandolin. She pulled him up and whisked him outside, where, after checking down a couple of Rizzlers, she laid out her plan. Your face, right? Your lovely face. We're going to hide your face behind another face. Without context, Gus was confused. Ook? Your face, Maria repeated, makes you look like an orangutan because because you're you're an orangutan. So we hide it behind uh, behind another face that isn't an orangutan's face. Ookookook. Yeah, yeah, a mask exactly. Ookookookookookook. No, no, not not a paper mask face. No, no, like a a real face. Ook. What we do, yeah, we'll go to the park, find some guy with a big enough, you know, but but not an orangutan. We'll kill him, peel off his face, and then put it on your face with some string or something. Then we can enter the competition next week. Gus thought that was the best plan that he'd ever heard and did a little jive for joy. The happy pair wasted no time and waltzed over to the park where, sat on a bench, they tucked into a tin of shortbread they bought on the way for sustenance, along with a pack of Polish lagers and a book of crossword puzzles to pass the time. All was ready. And so they waited. Jackson McJackson was a delightfully normal man. I don't want you getting too attached to him, so I'll keep it brief. Mid-forties, married, no kids, liked football, did something in finance that he didn't really understand either. And he had a rather large face. It was shaped like a wok, with great big rosy cheeks and a nose dolloped in the middle. He had big brown eyes, like a cow, adorned with thick black eyebrows that formed a ledge on his brow. Growing up, he'd been embarrassed about his big face, but he'd come to accept it now. He would get up every morning to jog round the park, enjoying the chorus of birdsong that welcomed the sunrise. He would then return home, have breakfast with Mrs. McJackson before heading off to do the job that he didn't really understand for eight hours, wondering how long he could get away with it for. And so it was, five days out of seven. This morning, however, as he jogged down the familiar path of the park, he saw in the near distance an orangutan in a tuxedo waving at him earnestly from a bench. The poor creature looked very distressed, and as he hurried over, Jackson McJackson could see that he had got himself stuck in a particularly difficult crossword puzzle. 
Jackson calmed the orangutan down and sat next to him, declining the offer of shortbread and Polish lager. He looked at the crossword. Hmm, three down, man's best friend. That is tricky. Uh, pig? Uh, cow? So engrossed was Jackson McJackson that he failed to notice the orangutan waving at the bushes, nor see the black woman in a fiery flamenco dress materialise from the foliage to his rear, or hear her as she glided towards him, standing right behind him. It was only when the plastic bag came down over his head did he realise something was wrong. He began to kick out, clawing desperately at the bag, but the grip holding it was so strong he was going nowhere. His muffled screams only added to the loss of oxygen in that bright blue plastic vacuum. His eyes bulging, he turned to look at Gus, silently pleading with him for his life, but the orangutan turned away. Unable to look, he busied himself with the crossword, but the rustling of the plastic bag and the man suffocating inside it was too much for him to concentrate. Eventually, Jackson stopped struggling. His arms fell limply to his sides and his feet stopped twitching. With a final sigh, he surrendered himself to death hoping that there was football in the afterlife. There's not, Jackson. There's really not. After making sure that he was truly dead, Maria shifted him over a bit to make room on the bench and sat down. She then rolled a couple of cigarettes, lit them and handed one over to Gus, who passed her a can of Polish lager. The wet crack and fizz of the ring pull punctuating the silence. They sat, watching the day come alive around them, nodding at the passers-by who bid them good morning on their way to work thinking nothing of the well-dressed orangutan and woman sitting either side of a man with a bag on his head. Just three friends, enjoying the park. Gus broke the silence. Ook, ookaka. Maria looked at him, considering her answer whilst rolling another cigarette. Because I believe in you, Gus. From the moment you waltzed in and asked for dance lessons, I could see it. You were special. But those dicks at the competition, everyone should be allowed to dance, Gus. Everyone. That's what this is all about. Ballroom dancing is about expression and and connection, not excluding anyone. That's why we're going to win this competition, not for the trophy or the money, but to show them that anyone can do anything. It's about making the world we want to see, Gus. Jackson McJackson's phone began ringing. Maria pulled it from the dead man's pocket and looked at the name on the screen. Mrs McJackson. She cancelled the call and threw the phone in the bushes behind her. Even if I have to kill a thousand people, she said, I'm going to make the world a better place. Then her and Gus binned their empty cans and shortbread tin, picked up Jackson from either end and carried him out of the park. After dropping him a couple of times, they decided he was far too heavy to carry all the way home and so held down a taxi. Big night, was it? asked the cab driver as they bundled the body into the back seats. Gus and Maria sat half asleep as the taxi wound its way back to the flat. Occasionally they would grunt minimal acknowledgement of the cab driver as he regaled them with tales of pirates, sea monsters and far-off islands filled with peril. When they finally got back to the flat, they decided that they were far too tired to do anything else and so put the body in the bath before departing to their rooms and falling fast asleep on the covers. They woke up, late in the afternoon and after some orange juice and toast, they set about removing Jackson McJackson's face. The bathroom was too cramped and so they moved him into the kitchen-come-living area and arranged the body on the floor, where they had lain down some newspaper, anticipating a bit of a mess. Maria then took the sharpest knife in the drawer, and they took turns in very slowly cutting into the flesh, making their way all around the neck and up the back of the head. 
peeling, shaving and gouging bit by bit, making sure to keep a steady hand and not rip into the face, or they'd have to get another one. Neither of them had done this before, and it was hard going, not helped by the huge come-down they were currently experiencing. However, a few hours and several cups of tearful tea later, they had managed to successfully remove the face and scrape off the gunky bits from the back. Having washed it, Gus set to stitching the skin together with some lace so that the seam ran from the back of the head to the base of the neck. He then tried it on for size, tying the threads in a little bow behind it and pulling it tight around his face. He looked in the mirror and ooked in disbelief. For there, staring back at him, with his eyes, was a man's face. Yes, the ears were wonky and one of them twisted and the nose was a bit off-centre and the mouth was crooked and too small for all of his teeth and one eye drooped and there were a few lumps and bumps and a significant bulge in the chin and he had to keep setting the whole thing back into place because it started to slip backwards but other than that he looked perfectly normal he did a little jig for joy and went to show Maria who had been dealing with the remains She knew that the council would charge loads to take the body away, and so, using an old saw and at one point her teeth, she chopped it up into smaller chunks, then blended these down into a liquid which could be poured down the drain. She was just in the midst of blending a foot when she felt Gus tap her on the shoulder. Yeah? Holy fucking Jesus shit, cunt, what the fuck? Ook? Sorry, Gus, it just... Go and put the suit on. I need to see it for real, not not like this. Ook? Because it's your ape body... And that face, like some weird Darwinian sex dream. Looking slightly hurt, Gus went and got his outfit on, whilst Maria lit a fag and composed herself. When Gus returned, suited and booted, Maria declared that he looked much better. See, now, in the suit, you just look like a small man, with really long arms and a big lumpy head. Ookie ookie, not handsome, no. But what's-his-name wasn't much of a looker in the first place, and now, well, you've just stuffed you in his face. I mean, you look a bit... You look a bit fucked up, Gus. Like you've been run over and hit with a hammer. A lot. But it'll do. Ook? Oh, Gus, don't be silly. What did you expect? And besides, it's what's inside that counts. And inside that weird face... Look at me. Inside that weird face is a damn sexy orangutan. Gus did a little jive for joy. Maria joined in. I can't believe we're going to be in the competition. Ook. He then took her in his arms and they whirled about the living room, laughing. They then put the mask in the freezer to keep it fresh and settled down for the night. Gus lay in his bed, smiling up at the ceiling. He was going to do it. Really going to do it. He was going to dance at the national ballroom competition. Bubbling with excitement, he kissed the picture of his mum and dad goodnight and then fell asleep. The week passed in a blur of drizzle, coffee and dance practice, and suddenly Gus and Maria found themselves stood at the entrance to the hall, smoking a quick fag and watching the other competitors going in. Maria looked down at Gus. You ready? Ook. They smiled, fist-bumped, and made their way inside. Back again, the administrator looked at Maria over his glasses. You've ditched the orangutan, I see. And your name is, sir? Gus. Maria jumped in quickly. Gus Mann. The administrator looked at her. Gus Mann. The two of them nodded. He can't talk, Maria added. Not since the, uh, not since the accident. She indicated the misshapen face next to her by way of explanation. I am sorry to hear that, said the administrator. 
Well, here's your number. You can warm up in the room next door. The first heat will be at 11. It's a samba. Good luck. They went through to the great hall, which swirled with the chatter of the spectators that gradually filled the rows of raked seating which lined the four corners of the dance floor. A raised platform holding a table for the judges stood at the far end. Gus and Maria went to a quiet corner and took it all in, as around them the other dancers nervously went through their steps and warmed up. Ook, said Gus. I know. I can't believe it either. We're actually doing it. They looked at each other and burst into laughter at the sheer ridiculousness of it all. The lights went down in the hall, and a man wearing a red suit came jogging into the middle of the dance floor, his skin tanned with white hair, slicked back and speckled with glitter. He held up his hands to hush the excited crowd as they whooped and cheered. Yes, 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 cha-cha-cha. Ladies and gentlemen, how are we doing? I am your host, Jean-Claude Winklepicker. We have got a fabulous day of dancing ahead of us. So, without further ado, please welcome the judges. We have Ossie Wassel, Lem Badman, Alapisha Vixen and Bruno Tortolino. The crowd roared as one by one the judges abseiled down from the ceiling, waving as they took their places at the high table. Gus watched in awe. He couldn't believe it. There they were, some of the greatest ballroom dancers ever to grace the polished boards, and he was going to dance in front of them. Stay focused, Gus, Maria whispered in his ear, bringing him back into the room. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, the standard rules apply here, and throughout this competition, the contestants are being judged on their footwork, alignment, direction, timing, and floor craft. If the judges all agree that a particular couple isn't up to the scratch, then they will hold up that couple's number and our official snipers dotted round the room. Can you see them up there? Give us a wave, snipers. There they are. The snipers will eliminate that couple from the competition until we are left with a winner. And don't worry, ladies and gentlemen, the rifles have of course been fitted with silencers so as not to disturb your viewing. Right then, our first heat is a samba. Dancers, assume starting positions. Musicians, instruments at the ready. Snipers, fingers on your twiggers. Let the national ballroom competition begin! As the crowd applauded, Gus looked up to the ceiling of the hall. Balconies jutted out on either end and in these were perched four snipers, two on each side. They wore the regulation black and white tuxedos and lined up the scopes of their .308 Winchesters on the dancers as they stepped out to the opening note of the samba tune. Just as we practice, Gus, Maria whispered, stick to the steps and we'll be fine. Ook. And then they were off, into the space with the other dancers. The floor was filled with swirling dresses and stamping feet. Like everyone else, Gus and Maria focused only on what they were doing, trying not to think about the crowd or the judges or the... After about a minute, there was a dull whistling thud, followed by a... As the couple dancing next to Gus and Maria were span out of each other's arms and fell to the floor. No one acknowledged the two as they lay there, gasping. They carried on around them, until a second volley stopped their twitching. By the end of the first heat, two more couples had been eliminated, and their bodies were dragged off the hall floor. Gus and Maria stood in the wings, ridding themselves for the next dance. Gus could feel the sweat gathering beneath the mask and the layer of skin he was wearing getting heavier. He went to readjust it, but Maria caught his hand and shook her head, indicating the other dancers, who might see them, blowing their cover. Gus stood, hoping that the face of Jackson McJackson would hold up. 
Jean-Claude Winklepicker took to the stage to interview the judges following the first round. Yes, 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 cha-cha-cha. That was a dazzling first round and three couples have gone. Lem Badman, what are your thoughts following that exciting opener? Form, grace and poise. One time it's like stinging nettles. Bang, 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 bang. Great big fish. All of us lost at sea. Mad he was, mad. Get off, get off, get off. And stabbed him right in his eye. Indeed. R.C. Wussell, what do you have to say? And Bruno Tortellini, tell us why you thought those couples had to go. Absolutely. Well, 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 that is the first round done. I think our dancers have warmed up. The snipers certainly have, haven't you, fellas? <laughs> oh, OK. On to the next. And this one's my personal favourite, the Wamba. Gus and Maria took to the floor, and once again they got through. They didn't get shot. They stormed through each of the heats, the foxtrot, the Viennese waltz, the passadoble, twisting, turning, spinning and quick-stepping over the bodies of fallen dancers as bullets flew all about them. They were electric, and the crowd were entranced, some of them commenting that this was truly some of the best ballroom dancing that they had ever seen. Until they found themselves in the final round. The tango. Gus and Maria stood on the side, waiting for Jean-Claude Winklepicker to finish interviewing the judges again. The two other couples who would be joining them paced nervously, or stretched, or sat in stony silence. Throughout the other dances, Gus had become progressively sweatier and sweatier beneath the mask. He could feel it, slipping and sliding down, and he would have to flick his head back, trying to get it into place and stop the forehead falling down over his eyes. It was sticky, itchy and uncomfortable. Just one more dance, Gus, said Maria, sensing his discomfort. Just one more and then we've done it. We've won it. Well, if we don't win, then... Then they'll shoot us anyway. Ook. Ook, 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 ook. Oh, you too, Gus. It's been a pleasure. They embraced, as John claude Winklepicker called the dancers to the floor. They stood in a line, facing the judges' table, with John claude stood right before them, so close you could see the bleached teeth and smudges of fake tan. He smiled like a shark. Yes, 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 cha-cha-cha. Here we are, ladies and gentlemen, the final of this month's ballroom competition and Thor's Hammer, what a wonderful competition it has been. The contestants have been whittled down to the final three couples. Let us meet them. First up, we have our oldest contestants, Tweva and Betty. The old couple waved at the crowd. Now, you two are married, aren't you? Oh, yeah, we've been married for 50 years, haven't we, Trevor? 50 years? Yeah, 50 years. Oh, goodness me, you get less time for murder, don't you? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Wow, what's your secret? Well, we love dancing together, don't we, Trevor? Yeah, dancing. Also, Trevor's got a lovely big cock and he knows how to use it. How wonderful. OK, our second couple are Mr and Mrs, or should I say Monsieur et Madame, en bouteillage, all the way from Gay Paris. Bonjour. Hello. So, 
You're from Paris. Ah oui. Brilliant. And then finally, we have Gusman and Maria Arvetia, who are... Are you okay? Jean-Claude was staring straight at Gus. The left side of the mask had slid right down, making him look like a melted candle. He's fine, Maria blurted in. It's just that, um, his face is, uh, is, is too big for his head. Too, too much skin. He had an accident, she said, violently miming a hammer action. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that, said Jean-Claude. All right then, we have our dancers, we have our judges, we have our snipers. You ready up there, lads? They're ready. So, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for the final round, the tango. Jean-Claude left the stage, and the dancers took themselves to the edges. Gus nervously fingered the folds of flesh that hung down his face. He couldn't see out of one eye as the skin sagged down over it. Maria squeezed Gus's shoulder. You could do this with your eyes closed, Gus. You've got this. And Gus realised the mask was always going to slip. There was nothing he could do about it. All he could do was surrender himself to the music, to the dance. And so, as the opening notes of the tango began to play, he took Maria's hand and with a deep breath closed his eyes before they stepped out for their final dance. Gus let the music take him. Leaning into Maria instinctively, his body twisted and turned, not preempting which step but knowing which one was the right one, and enjoying each and every one as it came. He heard the thud of a bullet as it bit deep into flesh, followed quickly by another. But it wasn't them. And so they continued, backs perfectly straight, their legs entwining and unwinding from around each other as they glided around the hall. Gus bathed in blissful majesty, guided by a power greater than himself. The tango. It was beautiful, and no matter what the outcome, this was enough. There were two more thuds, and cries of surprise as bodies hit the floor, but they did not stop. And as they finished the final step, Maria grabbed Gus tight, and they held each other in a shivering embrace. The final notes played out, holding the room in silence, suspended on an inward breath, before finally bursting into rapturous applause. We did it, Gus, Maria whispered in his ear. And Gus opened his eyes. The others were dead. Finely dressed corpses scattered across the floor. He smiled. They had won. Yes, 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 cha-cha-cha, ladies and gentlemen, the winner of this month's national ballroom competition are... Maria and Gus! The hall filled with the thunder of applause, whoops and cheers, and Gus looked up at Maria, who shrieked with delight. Taking his hands, they began to spin on the spot, round and round, faster and faster. Gus was so carried away by the moment that he forgot that he was an orangutan, that he wasn't meant to be there, that he was wearing a dead man's face. He didn't notice the mask begin to slip as the air rushed past. He didn't notice Maria's eyes widen in terror. He didn't notice until it was too late. And the mask was flying through the air to land, slap, on the floor by Jean-Claude's feet. Maria immediately raised her fists, ready for a fight, as Gus looked around at the gasping crowd, their applause dying out as they saw that the man before them was in fact an orangutan in a suit. The ominous click of the sniper rifle bolt echoed in the silence, and Gus looked up to see all four guns pointing straight back at him. He held up his hands, head hung in defeat. Jean-Claude Winklepicker picked up the flaps of skin that lay at his feet. He looked at Gus, then the mask, then at Gus, then the mask. Um, um, uh, cha-cha-cha. 
Your skin wasn't too big. You're uh, an orangutan. The administrator came screaming onto the dance floor, neatly sidestepping the once flailing limbs of a now dead Betty. It's an orangutan in disguise. Seize him! The administrator stood, in a stance befitting his dramatic command. Everyone looked at each other awkwardly, wondering who the order was intended for. Seize the orangutan! The administrator pointed at Gus, so there was no confusion as to who the orangutan actually was. Jean-Claude Winklepicker shuffled over. Yes, 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 cha-cha-cha, I'm just gonna, just gonna seize you. If you could just put your hands behind your back, there we go. Right, he's nice and seized. Gus stood, facing the administrator who towered over him, an accusatory Adam's apple threatening to burst from the thin neck held in a high collar. You devious little monkey. His name is Gus, Maria chimed in. And he's not a monkey, he's an ape, and a great one at that. The administrator's eyes bulged as his face flushed purple. Unable to contain his rage, he spat at Maria. Hold your tongue! Gah! Dinosaur hat! Ugh! Monkey! Ape! It doesn't matter. You and this devious little creature have defiled the sanctity of this ancient competition. For centuries we have guarded against the orangutan, swinging into our hallowed halls. Well, you may have gotten this far, ape, but you have been caught, and the rules and regulations of the National Ballroom Competition clearly state that any orangutan found to have entered the competition through unscrupulous means will stand before a judging panel who will pass sentence. May I remind you, this is a crime punishable by death, death by crucifixion, and a little bit of stabbing. Your head will then be removed, set upon a spike, and placed in the middle of the big roundabout in town. Judges, we await your sentencing. Everyone looked to the judges, who sat, stone-faced at the high table. They turned into each other, holding a whispered conference, stealing glances at Gus and Maria, who shifted uncomfortably. Eventually they came to an agreement, and Alopecia Vixen stood whilst the others settled back in their chairs. The rules and regulations of the National Ballroom Competition state that we as the judging panel must condemn Gus to death by crucifixion and a little bit of stabbing, as befits their crime. Gus and Maria hung their heads whilst the administrator smirked. However, Alopecia Vixen raised her hand. However, I and the rest of the judges cannot pass such a sentence. There was a gasp from the crowd. Could have said that bit first, muttered a voice from the crowd. Drama, Dean, drama. His wife hushed him. The administrator's mouth twitched. And may I ask, why not? That was, quite simply, some of the finest ballroom dancing that we have ever seen. To execute him following such a majestic performance would be a true defamation of this prestigious competition. Gus goes free. The administrator spluttered with rage. But, 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 but the rules, the rules clearly state... Oh, shut up, Tristan, you whiny little minge mop. The rules, the rules. The rules used to be that only women who are virgins may dance in the competition, and the men had to wear a cheese hat. Rules change. Deal with it. There was a cheer from the crowd, as well as a few giggles because the posh lady said minge. Am I the only one who hasn't gone mad? The administrator looked around the room in disbelief. Have you all lost your minds? Orangutans, ballroom dancing, what next? Gorilla ballerinas, line dancing lemurs, boleroing baboons. 
Maybe there should be. Jean-Claude Winkerpicker now stepped forward to take his place in this delightful finale. Yes, yes, yes. Cha-cha-cha. Gorillas. Awangatangs. Us. Homo sapiens. At the end of the day, we are all mates. See? The clue is in the name. Mates. For whens. I look in Gus's face and yes, 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 he is an awangatang. Yes, 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 he is hairy. And yes, 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 he has got big wound cheeks. But when I look in his eyes, I see the same look that was in the other competitors' eyes. Before they got shot. The soul of a dancer. It goes beyond rules and regulations. It's bigger than competitions and tuofies. And although we may be different, we have one thing that unites us. Bull, womb, dancing. She is our mother and we are her children. If you want to crucify him, then you will have to crucify me. For right now, I too am an awangatang. You've lost your mind, said the administrator. And me, Maria chimed in, stepping in front of Gus. I'm an orangutan. I'm an orangutan. A man stood up from the audience, defiantly calling out to the room. He was joined by another, then another, and another, until the rows of seats were filled with the defiant call of, I'm an orangutan. I'm an orangutan. Je suis an orangutan. You're an orangutan. I'm an orangutan. Rifles clattered to the floor as the snipers cooled down. I'm an orangutan. Gus couldn't believe what he was seeing. Through teary eyes, he looked around the hall as all about him, these strangers declared themselves orangutans, pledging their support to him. Him. And the rest is history. The administrator was murdered by the mob, ripped apart with their bare hands, which is a shame as he was just coming round to the idea of letting orangutans compete but mobs tend to be impulsive. Jean-Claude Winklepicker became disenfranchised with ballroom dancing after all, and moved to Wales where he joined a death cult that worshipped the ancient god Kraugan. He was a key player in the clan wars that followed before being gunned down during the siege of Cumbran. And as for Gus and Maria, they went on to dance in competitions all over the world, inspiring a whole generation of dancers, opening a host of international dance schools, and even presented the hit television show Shut Up! Just shut up and dance. Come on. They were inseparable. They didn't get married or anything. That would have been weird. I mean, they did have sex once. Once. After a big night in Bangkok. But they were both in blackout. No one really knows what happened. It it wasn't a big deal. Just one of those things. And so there we have it. It's amazing to think that orangutans weren't allowed to enter ballroom dancing competitions. But it wasn't so long ago. Funny how the world changes. Jasper's all dressed up to go dancing tonight, aren't you? Got himself a new little red dress. Go on, give us a twirl. Go on. Oh, very good. You better go. Don't want to be late. No, 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 I'll be fine. No, go on. Go. Go, have fun, Cinderella. Off you go. I'll be fine. I'll be fine. Bye-bye. Is a fucking hideous dress. Ugh. Well, I think that's all your brain has time for. I'm going to soak in the bath now, slurp on a bottle of bleach, listen to my Backstreet Boys album. My name is Piano Teeth. Thank you for letting me into your mind. Until next time, be well. <laughs>